You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge Knives. Now, Outdoor Edge has a large range of fixed and replaceable blade knives and game cleaning kits. Now, imagine this. You just shot a deer in the backcountry or an elk or whatever, and it's time to break it down, right? It's hot. You're a long way from the truck, so time is a factor, and you got to get the meat back to the truck so there's no waste. Your blade becomes dull, so instead of having to stop and sharpen, the blade all you do is you take your outdoor edge knife you push a button on the handle the blade pops out you put a new blade back in and you're back to work you get back to the truck there's no wasted meat everybody wins now if you want to find out more information about outdoor edge and their complete line of knives and game cleaning kits all you have to do is go to outdooredge.com and when you check out or you decide you want to purchase a knife Enter the discount code NATION30, and you're going to save 30% off of your purchase. That's NATION30, and that's OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Back Land Lakes podcast. We're here inside. No background noise tonight, other than kids screaming outside. If they can hear it, <laughs> or inside on the other side of this wall that we're sitting in. Maybe just a little bit of crying at some point. Yeah, a little uh, disregard. Usually we record in the backyard, but um, we are inside tonight because it's about twenty something degrees, thirty mile an hour winds. It seems like and, and snow, blowing snow. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the fire one pit wouldn't not. provide much warmth. No. Um, but here it is. I think we're podcast two, uh, two eighty. Um, what are you calling these again? This is the vegetation series. Vegetation podcast series. series podcast series. Yep. Trees. We're doing trees this week. This is the last one. Correct. Correct. And I've heard a lot of great things. So we're going to try to find. Do you have a new series in mind coming I, up? There's a couple of. Them. Pondering, yes. I think I think we need to do, we haven't ever done it, but have we? I don't think we have. What? We haven't done the regional management. We never no. did the northern, midwest, south, northeast or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could really do a two-part series, north and south. Yeah, yeah. But no, we, ha- we haven't done that. There, There's certainly a, a series that we could break out. We can get super... Detailed if we want and, and break into smaller regions, but but largely you can do southeast, southwest, northwest, and northeast. But yeah. oh, that's you know, that's certainly one of them. But there's there's a couple other we're tossing around. So one I, thing I, I like the feedback from from what, you guys. What I, appreciate I it. what I like, you know, with this series is to talk about. You know, I, I find myself describing land management. Uh, we're in the middle of consulting season now as we really ramp up and I've been traveling, you've been traveling and um, I find myself using the analogy of to, to landowners that land management is basically your farm is a, is a big puzzle and Mm -hmm. there's trees, shrubs, grasses, forbs, and they're all a piece of that puzzle. 
and without them all being present, it's an incomplete puzzle. And they're not mutually exclusive of each other. It doesn't yeah. mean that you have just like, dope, that's where my shrubs are. This is where my grasses are. Yeah. That's where my trees are. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. And it's like I was in Oklahoma a few days ago, and there was a, it's like a 40-acre 40 acre uh, native prairie, basically, mm-hmm. and it was like, this looks good, but it's one of three that I really want. I want way more Forbes, and sure. I want more shrubs, Right. because right, right now, as it is, it's pretty barren, even though native grass is great. It's yeah. not the end-all, be-all. Right, right. There were still other factors that were making, that were, it was missing to make it more usable for probably a lot of other wildlife. Absolutely. So... Um, I, I, I well, this has been, honestly been the the point of trying to do the series is is to build on things week after week and talk about how you know we we see it we talk about it often of there's just a specific plant that everyone's worried about or consumed with it's like this year everyone's going to be consumed with X or and it's like no 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 we've got to understand the full side of vegetation. Let's break it down and move through it. So then, right, we can build and see what the roles are from each one. And I think as we discussed that series of north and south, the difference. So one week would be management in the north, one would be management in the south, and maybe a third one would be management in the Midwest, somewhere in the middle. Um, And I I like, well, I had a virtual property today, Mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. And we had made it an hour and 15 minutes into it and I hadn't even mentioned betting tickets. Right. And I think that like the way we consult is so much. uh, So we talk, I mean, we're here every week, two hours a week, almost we're Mm -hmm. on the podcast. And so people can hear us talk constantly. We got videos dropping on YouTube and you might think that we're going to get to your farm. We're going to say this, 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 and go like you already have an idea. But today, I found myself, we were talking about it, and I mentioned betting tickets an hour and 15 mm-hmm. in, and he goes, I was wondering if we are going to, like, oh, get there, cover like, that, like, right? Kind of like, okay, that's what I, I was wondering if there was, if you had mm-hmm. any of those in mind. I forget how he phrased it, but, and I, and it was just like, I enjoy the way we consult. Obviously, it's what we believe in, and I don't, I'm not, uh, arrogant enough to think that we have it 100% figured out. Sure. Because you're always tweaking. You're always trying to learn. You're always trying to improve. And, like, uh, we're trying to find, you know, different native species that we can promote more in different spots on the farm or different sites. But, you know, I think that's a big part of what we do as consulting is we really don't know till we get there what we're going to lay out. But sometimes we might even not even touch betting tickets because we may be talking oh, something yeah. totally different. His farm, you know, he was he had some. It was one of those farms where it's kind of a mix, recreational, trying to make a little money, mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. doing a few things. And I'm like alfalfa. I mean, this guy's in a part of the country that's a lot of horse country, a lot of horses. Way. Yep, yep. And it's like alfalfa. Hey, no problemo. Yep. Get sold, somebody sold to pay before you for its cut. <laughs> get somebody to pay you for that, mm-hmm. and now you have a seven acres of food plot, really, um, in a in a part of the world where that's going to outcompete corn or soybeans. Yeah, four out of five years when mm-hmm. you look at twelve month interval, it's going to do better. And, and you know, if you want to get jump on the season at that 
in that state, it comes in early, and you got an amazing early season food source. Totally, totally. It just everything and, everything matches. But and then all the slopes. What is it? Mm-hmm. The, all the slopes look just like I think a uh, the old uh, trophy farms with Todd mm-hmm. and old field and the old field. My goodness, he has so much old field. Yeah, I'm like. Okay, there's yeah. where a large majority of cover. We're going to promote some shrubs. We're going to move some down tree structures in. And yeah. we're going to do a little edge feathering. And then the other kicker was you had about 35 acres of marketable cedar timber. Mm-hmm. Well, there's your bedding. Like, yep. unfortunately, you're not going to be able to be, well, you can't define it in a direction like you could with bedding thickets and big timber. But we know 35 acres out of over 100 we have a pretty good idea they're in those areas that are going to get cut. So uh, And and it's going to be supplying a ton, a ton of food and cover and be pulling and holding a lot of deer. With and a food ha- source like that and that much cover. And how could sure. you not fall in love with that? You're getting, yep. somebody's paying you to plant your food and somebody's paying you to, to put your bedding in. Mm-hmm. What's not to love? You do a little bit of old field burning. Burn. I mean, this guy's got, going to have drastically better farm than his mm-hmm. neighbors. And For sure. And he got paid to do it. Yeah. Not, so not bad, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you look at it. And that, that's the thing. We I know we've done a podcast, and uh, I think we titled it something to the extent of, you know, there's no cookie cutter plan out there. Yeah. And and that is the surprise. I I've, we've we've been super blessed, and this is a whole nother podcast topic that we'll cover at some point. For just if you will, the origin, how we got here. But like we've been scheduled out for several months, and there's a lot of people who have been trying and wanting to take advantage of, you know, the dormant season, let's call it the habitat season, um, prior to us getting there and, you know, had a couple phone calls, had a couple, um, you know, meetings or looking over maps and, and just look at things. But at the same time, I have a hard time recommending like any drastic projects to be done because like, I don't want you to, I don't want to get there and recommend something and be like, well, darn. Yeah. If you're going to be there miss, anyway, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to jump the gun on something because yeah. a comprehensive understanding of the plant communities that are there, the terrain, the topography, all of that makes a humongous difference in yeah. how you do something or why and, you do something, you where you do something. Compare that to the virtual properties. Like, I don't know how many photos I looked at for today. Right. 75 to 100. Right, right. I mean, Very I, I saw every photos. angle of these mm-hmm. old yeah. fields. So that, that's kind of the difference. But, you know, if we're going to be there in two weeks, let's just hold off. Right, right. Yeah. But it is, it's, you know, you want to take advantage of the time. But, again, this this puzzle is complex, and it's not one that you could just say, oh, well, here are the four techniques that I want to use. Let's just use them. Well, maybe that technique doesn't fit perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I feel such, like... We're kind of a younger crowd, I guess, when it comes to speaking on conservation and doing mm-hmm. this conservation type management. But here we are. It's nine o'clock at night, and we're in a nursery right now with toys all around us, and I'm drinking milk. Like I feel so <laughs> like I mean I am. Well, I texted just, you. I texted you. I don't know. Maybe it was yesterday or the day before. I was like, hey, when are we doing this podcast? I know it's probably got to be Friday because I'm going to be gone Saturday and Sunday. And, I don't want to be up super late on Friday night recording late into the night because I got to leave at like 4.30 yeah. tomorrow morning. So can we do this a little bit earlier? <laughs> yep. Getting up there. No shout out to Chris, too, for the water bottle. Oh, yeah. Appreciate Chris it. Patton. I know he's listening. Yep. All Appreciate right. It, let's sir. jump into 
trees. Trees, trees, trees. Let's so if we were going to take the four weeks and we say grasses, forbs, shrubs, trees. Mm-hmm. And you were to look and say, okay, let's let's just, just they're all important, but let's just rank them on, on um, favorites or value. You know, I think they're all important, but yeah. I think some you can get by without. And I think so many people think trees mean habitat. Well, you see it. You see it in real estate listings all the time. Oh yeah, plenty of trees for plenty of trees hold big bucks. Or yeah, you you see that. Or you know, there's so many people doing, you know, online scouting, e scouting, or whatever, and they're looking out and some stuff in the Midwest. They're like, well, that one's got cover. That one doesn't. Yeah, and they're looking at trees, and it's like. That doesn't mean cover. Like that doesn't constitute a good cover. No. And and I think a lot of places, public ground opportunities, um, west, are very overlooked because they think, oh gosh, it's just wide open. There's no way totally. I'm going there. When there's totally. a huge shrub component that doesn't show up on maps really at all, yeah. or very very difficult in some some cases. And um, there's deer everywhere. There's game. Yeah. It's game rich. Yep. So, oh, if I was going to rank them, um, obviously I would want to know ahead of time what species we're talking about in particular. But but if I'm just going to rank in general wildlife value, yeah. um, I'm probably going to go with shrubs, forbs, trees, grass. I would probably go. I I, I the the. First two are probably be flipped, yeah. and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't I, care. I, I was going to say forbs, shrubs, grasses, trees, because really? I came at it from a quail approach and was okay. like, I'd rather have the grasses and the shrubs, or than the trees. Which, yeah, for that I can understand. Yeah, but, so, so, but see, that that's two, right? Like kind of where I preface that's that. That's personal preference. It's really. like what what is what is it you're managing for? Everyone mm-hmm. you know has different 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 things there. But now, like, if my thing was turkeys. Yeah. Then I might I would probably put trees pretty high on that list. Mm-hmm. And there's, but there's overall, hard mast is is super important to a turkey. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, it. it but uh, regardless, regardless, for both of us in our in our um, situations, oh, on there. trees were either third or fourth place. Yeah. I know there's someone out there saying, "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah, they were thinking we saved the best for last. Yeah, exactly. The one we, it was the one we least wanted to talk about <laughs> in the last. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. First off, I love trees. Second off, I love cutting trees. Uh, and there's there's a lot of people out there I think who who are you know, like all you guys talk about is cutting trees, cutting trees. Well, number one, before we get like really into this, there's way too many trees on the landscape. Most of the time, yeah, yeah. Like, if like you from just where on historically, average, look at the look at the landscape across the country. People say speaking. that deforestation is happening across the globe. Yeah, it's happening in some places, mm-hmm. but it's not here in the United States. There's in the a U.S. Lot of A. Of trees, we have a lot of trees, and 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 because we have a lot of trees, we have a lot of very, let me stress that, very unhealthy trees. Extremely. The stocking rate, just the the, the the amount of trees per acre in a lot of these forests is just sickening. Like, and, and I feel bad for 
for for a lot of people who aren't aware of that. And then when yeah. we go to a property and and you know, let's just say we're on a ridge top and and we say, okay, now from what you've been gaining information wise from us throughout today, tell me what trees are valuable here. Tell me what trees are good and healthy. And when you just pause and take take five minutes the next time you're in the woods, be critical, look at the trees, and don't look at like eye level, look up in the canopy, look for stress. Um, you will find in most places that there's a, uh, honestly, I would, I would say comfortably 50 to 60% of the trees are unhealthy. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's a comfortable Unhealthy guess. or crooked stressed. or very yep. stressed. Yep. And, yeah. and again, we're not saying every, every place needs 50 or 60% of the trees removed. And, and that closed canopy is bad. Right, right, right. Because there's some roll. instances where closed canopy is, is needed. Yep. Or that's yep. the native site. But mm-hmm. so many times closed canopy happens. If there's trees, it's closed canopy. Yeah, and unmanaged, and 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 then that's the that's the shame, if you will. Why have a closed canopy where we know the value is fifty to one hundred pounds of digestible food per acre? Why have it in such so much of the property in that manner, but then have so many trees that are already unhealthy? Um, when again, we're not saying that we hate trees, but but literally, what would happen to your habitat if fifty percent of them across the property, the unhealthy ones? Not like just super, super healthy ones, but the unhealthy ones were gone. And it wasn't closed canopy timber. It was a managed woodland. I love woodlands. Uh, I mean, they're amazing. Well, I I talked with a guy earlier this week who had in between four four and 500 acres. Mm -hmm. And he said 95% of it is timber. Mm -hmm. Okay. I asked for a picture of his timber, saw it. Ooh, Okay. He said, there's a browse line. I'm like, okay, let's plug some numbers in here. And I forget what the numbers were, but basically taking that 50 to 100 pounds, mm-hmm. if you take it, okay, let's just say that you have 700 acres. And those that 700 acres is closed canopy forest. Yep. And... You take that and you go, okay, 50 to 100 pounds, so let's just call it 75 pounds, okay? Yep. That is 52,500 pounds of forage available on average a year. 25 deer would hold? I mean, it so would support? you would divide mm-hmm. that by 2,000. Because right. that's how much a deer eats per year. Yep. So about 26 deer. Yep. Yep. Isn't on that 700, shocking? 700 acres. On 700 acres, you honestly could feed 26 deer. Mm-hmm. And and again, that's that doesn't include hard mass production because that's so variable each and every year. But that's an on average digestible food per acre. Well, and, and let's just say you let's just say you did you managed the the woodlot and you just turned it into a woodland and so you just got seven hundred. I was gonna say give, give it give it just give it five hundred pounds of food per acre. Okay. A nice managed woodland that had some fire. It's 350,000. 350,000 pounds of food. Divide by 2,000. 175. So so we went from 26 deer to 175. We're not talking about that that's the number, that's how many you're going to hold, this and that. It's just simply to say that's the value of food that you're increasing. And a lot of times that that food um, has cover value as well. So... We're, we're we're not saying that it's healthy to have this 175 deer on the 
700 acres. But but at least but, your deer aren't shouldn't be as stressed. But right, and and it's to it's still to say, a managed woodland with less trees is more productive than a closed canopy forest. Yeah, by from a lot of reasons. Huge. Think of Dr. Huge Craig ways. Harper's research where they studied uh, they studied oak trees for ten mm-hmm. years, fertilizing versus non-fertilizing, ID and crop trees. And releasing those trees. A woodland, basically, if you ID those trees and you release those trees, what is the numbers again? 30% of your oaks produce... 40% okay. of the hard mass trees produce 70% of the acorns. Okay, let's say mass. you left those 40% and they imp- they increase. And what was the percentage that they increased? 43%? 43 to 44%? I, I don't, I don't remember, remember. But I, I just remember it was above 30 mm-hmm. that it produced. And R- so Regardless... And, and and even if you don't go in and identify the top producers with that math, if you go and you cut trees, yeah. you will be increasing acorn like mass production. So, so you be- go in with a chainsaw thinking that you're going to, you know, that because you're cutting trees, you're not going to have as many acorns or as much mass. Fallacy. <laughs> and, and yet yeah. you're not only improving the amount of acorns produced, but the amount of Forbes and other plants, and even the the cover component in the understory. And and we we should say, and yes, that all depends on the trees you're selecting to cut and the composition. But just generally speaking, if you have a oak hickory type forest and you're thinning that forest and you're actively managing it, um, you're probably going to have more mass production, healthier trees, and a and a robust understory of forbs and brambles and woodland shrubs and whatever coming underneath like yeah it will be just thriving it will be more diverse and you will have less trees but you will have healthier trees and you know honestly what the other thing is that 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 is is i guess irritating is like when you have unhealthy trees you have open wounds you have more opportunity for insects or, or more opportunity for um that are susceptible to well, just uh, look funguses, at pines and th- down south, and you get pine yeah. beetle yep. kills like crazy. Yep, you get oak. <laughs> oak. Uh, there's gypsy moss that can come through. Yep. There's oak uh, blight. The more no. stressed your trees are, the more susceptible they are for disease or insect kill. Absolutely. And so if you You're create healthier trees, it's just like this whole. I think my knee. They just pop. Listen. Oh. Oh. Ouch. Yeah, so I'm going to have to see a doctor soon yeah. because my knee is ha, 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 jacked up. But um, that was my that my knee yeah, just that did that. But um, anyway, so sorry, took my breath away. Um, I think a lot of times that, um, well, right now we're in, a, we're in a world, we're under a pandemic right now. And, and what we do know is that healthier people are fighting off the virus more than the unhealthy people. Well, and, and the other factor is, Socially distance. That's what we're talking about doing with the trees. <laughs> Give them some room to breathe. Yeah. And so they're yeah. not crowded out. You, you, and this is the other thing I guess I keep trying to remind people of when we're evaluating trees to look at, you know, health and how many are, are actually um, probably going to ever amount to anything or produce something. It's like when you look up, up when you look up and you see a closed canopy forest, see all these branches competing with one another and that tree's not even growing branches on the right side because of this other big tree and it's in the upper story or mid story all this stuff it's like there's so much competition for just 
space and sunlight in the canopy, imagine what's happening below your feet. Oh, yeah. If if a root system is about the width of the canopy, then then you know there's competition for soil moisture, minerals within the soil, yep. root, just root space for them to grow and spread. Uh-huh. They can't grow and spread if the canopy's full, too. You yeah. can't grow at a rate that will actually produce something that, and we'll get into this later on, Trees have a, a, a great income potential for properties, but not if they're not in a situation that will allow them to grow and prosper. Yeah. There go unhealthy forests, which we see and deal with all the time. Yeah. And and I just, those numbers just kill me where I think it it really opened that guy's eyes. What's the dream? Like, like if you could just throw out a number, you're like, I f- like if you own 2,000 acres, 3,000 acres... It would be like, sure, let's do it. Like, I'd love it. That's amazing. So let's just say 2,500 acres, all right? And you do 75 pounds because it's closed canopy. That's 187,500 pounds of forage. Yeah. If you divide that by 2,000, that's 93 deer that you could feed mm-hmm. on 2,500 acres. Right. I mean, those numbers should just come out of the podcast and smack you in the face. <laughs> yeah. Because if you have closed canopy, you You're, should be going, oh, one of the podcasts coming up is going to be titled kind of something along this line. But it's like, that's when you know you can starve out some deer is when yeah. you, when you're not managing your timber and you have vast acres and acres and acres and How many national forests are acres and 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 acres of closed canopy forest? I mean, there's humongous. It's not just national forest in the in the West. We're talking. I grew up and went to college close to the George Washington and Thomas Jefferson that stretched through North Carolina, Tennessee, West Virginia, and North. I said North Carolina. Vast amounts of acres. Yeah, and they're and they're. They're having, I mean, they like they're reducing um, tags and everything throughout those areas just because of the unproductivity and the lack of management in those areas, the forested areas. And and it's no wonder the rough real. grouse is struggling. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, but so I guess that's a good preface for for trees. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe why they're maybe third and fourth in, <laughs> on <laughs> our. Uh, on our list. <laughs> we got too many of them most yeah. of the time. So yeah, in a nutshell, there's too many trees out there. And I think I think that's a great um little snippet into what we'll get into for the rest of the podcast. But but number one, we've been starting out with, with a definition of, of what they are. Everyone knows what a tree is, but essentially compared to shrubs, forbs and grasses, it's a woody perennial plant typically having a single stem or trunk growing to a considerable height and bearing lateral branches at some distance. From the ground. Yeah, I was, trying to, I was trying to pull up a shrub definition. That was a multi-stemmed woody, woody structure, structure that doesn't get much taller than like eight feet or something yep. like that. Yep. So obviously still has some components of a tree with the woody um, with the woody aspect, but is generally a single stem and has considerable height and lateral branches. Um, there's probably 10,000 ways to be able to break out trees and categorize them. But way we've kind of chose to do it for this week and, and try and make it as, as applicable to wildlife as possible, talking about hard mast, soft mast, we'll talk about the different oak families, 
Um, and we'll talk about just general other types of trees. We'll talk about um, the mid-story trees. Because I think, honestly, the mid-story aspect of, of a canopy is super underrated. But... Um, unmanaged. Un- unmanaged. And, and yeah. honestly, they think, oh, it's a little tree. It's not doing anything. Um it's actually doing more harm than it is good, right? They, they yeah. just think small. Okay, it's it's in inconsequential, but it's not not the case. And then we'll go into um, a couple non-native trees out there as well, and then cover benefits, this and that. So we got we got the definition. Hard yeah. mass. Yeah, I mean acorns. That's it. White oak. I mean white white oak family, and then the red oak family is just. It takes the cake, right? Um, and there's, that's what there's, everybody thinks. Or beach. Yeah. There's yeah. so many different types of of um, uh, of of those white or red oak families. I was trying to, I was trying to look here and see what, what we had for our list of hard mass. And so for just hard mass. You're missing the, 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 the biggest ones, man. The game changers of all game changers. What, Go on. What did I miss? I'll, I'll sarcastically tell them in a little oh, bit. I, oh, I know which one you're throwing out there. Two of them. Um... So just hard mast in general, we have white oak, red oak, post oak, turkey oak, nut all, hickory, beech. Those are obviously just examples of hard mast. But when we break yeah. it out to, let's just, white oak family, we have white oaks, post oaks, chinkapins, burrs, swamp white oaks, chestnut oaks, the chestnut, and many others. What were you? I'm trying to think here. If you got them all, they like overcup oak. Over. Oh yeah, overcup. Yeah. Um, um, I think that pretty well covers the main ones that people would think of. Yeah. Yeah. Most mo- most would fall into. What you have? Well, we both have a favorite in there, bur oak. Yep. Yep. And then chinka pin is it's next, another good probably cool high on that list. Um, and then so those are generally the white oak family. Yeah. Most low, popular. Low ones. leaves, but yep. again. They're just, it's a tree, right? One-year th- cycle acorns. Yep, yep. I, I yep. think so many people get caught up in splitting out like, oh, well, what kind of oak is it outside of red or white? Yeah. Like, and, and, and there's preferences and this and that, but honestly, sometimes I feel like we can get into the weeds of trying to, like you om- you complicate things for yourself when you're out there trying to make management decisions of cut tree or don't cut tree. Yeah. And it's like, just try and have a balance of whites and reds. Yeah. And, and what's and naturally growing in your... Because yeah, that's, that's the important thing. It's like, yes, deer will preferential, you know, go to certain trees or... But yeah. but honestly, when you think about it, it's it may not be necessarily a flavor or taste kind of preference, but it could be there's more acorns underneath of that tree. So like the yeah. opportunistic, like I don't have to walk as much. I don't have to search. I can go to that tree. And so, so I the, always wondered, the, here's a question I always wondered. Do you think deer know that with white oak acorns, it seems like they have a preference over white oak acorns versus red oak acorns. When Do both you are falling. Yeah. People are like, because there's more basically red oak acorns, more acidic, so they don't taste as well. They the need tannics, some time to break yeah. down. Or do you feel like deer like deer know that those spoil quicker? I'm going to eat them while they're still available. I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, I can't get I mean, in a deer head, but right. 
I, you know, I think absolutely. Sometimes it's, I, don't, I think they probably think differently than what we assume they mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. and it makes me wonder. You know, they're all about survival. Totally. And if and if somebody gave me winter. apples versus nuts, and like a bunch of walnuts or whatever, I'd be like, well, the apples are going to spoil faster. I'm going to eat those first. Right. I can save those. And I can save those. Well, because that's the thing. It's it's a it's a you're genetically, you know, engineered to prepare their bodies for winter, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to start eating on red oaks if they taste better or not because these white oaks over here aren't going to aren't just flat out. They're not going to be here. Yeah. And and so they can begin to consume those, rely on the red oaks later on. Um I mean, honestly, that's my thinking. It's yeah, sure there's a, there is a difference in in the um tan level, but I, I it's obviously a survival aspect in it yeah. too. I think it's multifaceted, but um, what was I gonna? You were saying something, and I, I was saying something. Well, you go go right into white oaks from red oh, oaks. What? I remember. I was talking about just quantity of an, a a tree producing. Like it's much easier. So if you have a healthier forest, and and you're cutting trees around crop tree releasing yeah. what, what have you, you're managing a forest. Um, you know you're going to be increasing the quantity that individual trees are producing. So it's much easier to go to one tree because there's tons of acorns there yeah. and, and reduce, you know, searching and scavenging, let's say, for others. What what do we got for red oaks there? Oh, you've got your typical northern and then southern reds. So you've got northern reds, you've got southern mm-hmm. reds, you've got um, water oaks, turkey oaks, willow oaks. Uh, shingle oak. shingle oaks uh you know pointed leaves yep two year acorn cycle yep and i think that chad and i were having that conversation about a month back of how god's intricate design perfect allows it? animals to survive better so, you know you think about it however long you want to agree that animals have been on this planet they've managed to make it this long mm-hmm. and you know, when everything, you know, if they're a prey species, every predator wants to, tries to eat them and they have to deal with all kinds of stuff. They're out there year round for their entire life. So they're pretty hardy, pretty hardy animals. But you look at the, the just the oaks, you can just break it down and say, well, why are some two years, some are one year? So mm-hmm. white oak will flower and produce a acorn all in one year while a red oak will flower and then yep. produce an acorn for the next year. And so they may have acorns every single year, but they've flowered and pollinated the previous Correct. year. Correct. And and I think it's so amazing that God put it this way to where in years where you have a really late frost. Like, like you, 2020. And you know that white oaks aren't going to produce any acorns. It's like, well, there was a boomer crop last yep. year and there's red oak acorns everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's what the... That's what the wildlife can use to survive. Absolutely, absolutely, and it, it's it's awesome to see that. Um, I mean, I was I remember this year in in late April, early May, um, I was working in Kentucky, kind of western Kentucky, and then central Kentucky, and it was back to back days, both just a cold snap late in April, and it was frosted. I mean, like a hard frost, and oaks were blooming, and and then. I remember during, no, I guess that was still was our turkey season too. We were, it was wanting to like bud out. Everything was wanting to bud out and 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 whatnot the first week, and then it got cold, 
yeah. then like it did not continue to bud out and the vegetation understory come on and really bloom out like it typically would the third week. It was like this warm snap before turkey season. Oh yeah. Wanted to start greening up and then they just like shut down. But and, and it's it's fascinating. How many times have you you know, seems like we said a lot in the last five years. Ooh, spring green ups happening early this year. Mm-hmm. And you feel like it's happening like a month before. And then all of a sudden you get one of those yep. cold spells. It's you're like, like, put on the brakes. Now it feels like it's going to be delayed. Yep. Yep. Certainly. So, uh, man. Uh, but it, it is it is amazing that, that God's design just prepared nature and wildlife to be able to survive on any given year based on yep. hey, just splitting up the way that these that these produce acorns. So, yeah. And and that is the most important thing about obviously the oak species is they produce a very considerable amount of mass that so many different species of wildlife rely on. Yeah. And and, and, and so that's why trees are necessary to have on the landscape, but manage trees. Yep. Because if let's just I I, I would like to know this number. Um let's just give like a hundred acres of closed canopy, just your typical oak hickory forest, um, you know, have that as control and then go in and manage the 100 acres with ample space, ample sunlight, crown growth, everything for the next 10 years and see what acorn production, like, you know, per year would, would add up and be different, right? Yeah. Same exact acre. But just a managed that managed forest versus others. What is that mass increase? Yep. Because if you're going to have an oak, here, here here's the whole. I guess the whole point is, if you're going to have an oak species, why have it where it's a turd? Like why have it where it's stressed? Why have it where it's not producing and doing something? The the role that it has. Why are you not putting it in a growth form or a or a situation environment where it can do its job yeah that doesn't make sense then no. then at that point it's just wasted space or it's, well, a, or it's a pointless tree well i looked at you know chad and i cut out on this glade uh on the prairie hollow property over the last two months we've been cutting cedars and thinning it out trying to open it up making a really nice native glade and there's been several decent red oaks on that mm-hmm. west facing slope dry climbing i mean the glade is as close to a desert as we can get in the ozarks and I'm like, you know, it's a pretty tree. Yeah. Grow somewhere else. This yep. is not a site for you. You're not going to thr- thrive. You're going to survive. Especially this is a ch- burning This it. is a chinkapin spot. Yep. If you want to be an oak, be a chinkapin. Mm-hmm. And until you can change your genetics, I'm sorry, but you got to go. <laughs> You're gone. You're gone. And it's not that I hated that tree. I would I would promote that tree on the east-facing slope. Sure. But sure. In that site, no. I'm I'm wasting space. For rough blazing star, cylindrical mm-hmm. blazing star, any of those beautiful forms. Which is rarer, which is more important, which isn't going to grow on that east-facing slope, yep. though, too. It's like every, and this is, again, the whole reason for the podcast series is everything has a role. And if we don't identify that role and we just have things growing willy-nilly across a property, then I can just about promise you the way that the land has been managed or the way that there are not disturbances naturally occurring, there should be things that are misplaced. There yeah. should be things that are in situations where they shouldn't be 
we we see it quite often. Sycamores growing on ridge tops. Yeah, it's I like, cut a pile of those. It's like this should not be growing here. You are next to the creek, and that's your role. And I don't want to see you anywhere it's else. It's a dry spot up here. Yeah, it's like you have to put things in check, and yeah. and 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 that's what we're doing with the oak trees and managing a forest is putting them in check and saying if you're going to be here and your role is for mass production, by golly, I'm going to make sure there's an environment where you're going to produce that mast if not you're gone yeah yeah I, and I, Other, I think that people just overvalue though oh they're here well it's just like that podcast we did the the common lies or whatever and one of those mm-hmm. was trees will save the environment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like <sighs> so many people have bought into that that we got a deforestation is happening across the globe when it's not it's happening in places, but it's not right here in our backyards. We got too many trees. We got too many invasives. We got too many problems. I just and the last yeah. problem we need to do is, or the the last, the last thing we need to do is put the chainsaws up. Oh, absolutely. You, just a quick note on that, because some people are like, well, how, 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 how is that even possible, guys? Well, think of a closed canopy forest. You have basically a, uh, r- roughly a, the same height canopy across the entire landscape or large majority of the landscape what happens when you go in and you actually cut it you have varying ages of trees you have shrubs you have grasses and brambles and forbs underneath of all that so when rain hits if it hits that surface that is all the same it's going to fall from that surface and not hit anything or interfere with anything once it falls off leaves until it hits the actual ground itself and so in comparison, if you go to the managed site, the managed, well, let's say, woodland, where you have all those other species, once it hits a canopy that's uneven, it'll start to trickle down, then it'll hit some shrubs, then it'll hit some mid-story trees, then it'll hit some brambles, and then it'll work its way into the soil at a much slower pace, reducing erosion, increasing infiltration, instead of just flat runoff. Yeah. So it's like, if you have the diversity on the landscape, you're directly impacting groundwater. And and you don't get that unless you're you're honestly cutting trees. Yeah. So so there's a happy medium in between all of this that we really do need to have. But like I said, trees are not the savior to, you know, water and no <laughs> and everything. So um yeah. Other mass producing uh species, walnut, hickory, pecan, and honey locust. Just other ones that, you know, they have a role. Um some squirrels did you pound say hickory. chestnuts? I did not say chestnuts. Chestnuts. Yep. Because we still do have a few mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. escapee American chestnuts on the, on the landscape. We have the uh, Ozark chinkapin, mm-hmm. which is a chestnut. Mm-hmm. And then what's Allegheny that? Allegheny chinkapin. Yeah, there you go. That's the other one. Yep. Um, squirrels love hickories. Bears will lo- like pound on hickory nuts. Yeah. Um, so those did you say beech too? I said beech. Okay. I put beach somewhere. I put beach on the on the general hard mast. Okay. Producers. Yeah. There's another one for yep. you. Turkeys, especially. If, I love them. The thing about it is, too, how many times do you see beach tree with very few beach nuts? I mean, it's it's pretty. Uncom- it's got to be the same thing with with the oak. Mm-hmm. It's too much competition. And my dad was actually. I was just talking to him on the phone the other day. Um, we were talking about. I don't know why beach trees came up, but he's got just a little bit of woods on on the property, and he's like. When I was seeing turkeys, they were underneath the beaches this year, and they were scratched. So, you know, this year in Virginia, and where he was at, there was beech nuts. 
Yeah. Probably won't be the case for another five years. <laughs> yeah. But they, they they do have a nut. Um and it comes in a cool little shell, kind of yeah. like kind of like um the Allegheny cheek pin. But yeah. anyhow, um yeah, no, they're certainly a mass producer. But soft mass. An, another another aspect I'm gonna add of you a, a really tree. good one on the Oh no, you got it on there. Soft mass. So you got maples. What no, what do you got here? Soft mass. We soft got mass, eight yep. okay, nope, it's on the wrong line. So you got Apples, yep. Pears, cherries, persimmons, peaches, hackberry, yep. cedars. Cedars do have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the one I was gonna add. Yeah. And then uh, what there. other ones do we have that are trees that produce soft mass? That's pretty much it. Um, that that comes to mind. Mulberries, sassafras, mulberries. Yeah, mulberries for sure. Um, gosh. Oh, it would dog, probably be dog, soft. Dogwood would be a soft Bodark, too. hedge apple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that, real soft. The, I was say, that's Give the softest thing on, the tr- on that tree, but yeah, it's not that soft. Yep. Sure enough. And, and deer eat it. Mm-hmm. Squirrels hammer it. So you got hedge trees. They yep. eat the leaves like crazy. Oh, man, yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And the mulberries. So Which is funny because, you know, typically when you're in, let's say, let's say the prairie there's lots of hedge there's lots of mulberries um but those are some of the tree species that will grow out there when you think about how much fire would have been prevalent and where those trees would have grown they would have been set back often and and those leaves in that system would have been super um available for deer right one they even even if they're more of a full-grown they have really low branches that deer can consume, but even yeah. in a, if you had fire, they're getting set back constantly. And out there, deer pound those leaves on, on sure. re-sprouts and everything. Um, so anyhow, there's value to just beyond if there is mass production on some of these some of these um, examples that we're sharing. But fruit trees get so much love. Fruit trees get. Over an abundant love. I know we've covered it in, in a lot of other podcasts. Oh man, um, you love them. <laughs> <laughs> that is false. <laughs> yeah, apples, pears, cherries. So here's something about cherries too. Cherries, you've got your almost uh, your domesticated varieties where pie cherries. Mm-hmm. You're gonna make pie out of them, and then there's just the wild cherry, which yep. the guy asked me recently. He's like, I never see cherries. I'm like. Because they're a little bit smaller <laughs> than those tiny. than those ones you're thinking you get Bird, on top of your Sundays. Birds will pound them, coons will climb up, shake yep. them down. Like you're, it's not. You're probably not going to see them. Nope, nope. So you got that um, for soft mass. And persimmons is another huge one that everyone loves to to look at, gander out, propagate, and clear plant. around plant. Uh, I mean, all of it. Um, cool. But I'm not interested in investing that much time when I can get way more food out of doing something else in that area. Or yeah. I'm not going to plant that tree because of that unless everything else on the property is completely done. Yeah. That, that is, or if my you will, kids want to do that. And dude, then, and I got another pun. Get it? You ready? Hold on. It's the cherry on top. Oh, man. Come on. That's a good one. You know, when everything else is done, the cherry on top is fruit trees, something else that... If you ever get bad. done with no, it's not. That was a good one. <laughs> if if you get everything else done, 
then it's the time and place to begin to try and, and, and get fruit trees going, in my opinion. But uh, that's the uh, the other, um, let's say, aspect of, of fruit tree management. We talked about insects and um, disease and how fragile that they are um, and trying to get them to grow and produce a lot of forage. But they're very susceptible to wind, to ice, to the weight of the fruit they're trying to bear if not maintained properly. And then once they break, there's insects that will bore in them, kill them, funguses. Yep. There's just so many things that Even take... apple trees here in the Ozarks. Ugh, yep. You can plant apple trees and you get cedar apple rust. Mm-hmm. Because there's cedars everywhere. Everywhere. Yes. Yep. Yes, yes. So, so anyhow. They just take a lot of work. A lot of work for a little return. And, I don't, and, I don't and like it that takes map. a long turn. Oh yeah, long, it is. a long time to get that mm-hmm. to get that return that that does provide a big attraction. Yep. You know, if you plant an apple tree, of course you've got to plant multiples. You got to plant some cross pollinator trees. You got to do pruning. You got to do spraying. You got to fertilize. You got to keep the weeds at bay and, yep. and during the early years. You got to cage them to keep the deer off of them. And then when you do all that, it may be eight years before you see enough produced to really be attracting the deer for mm-hmm. for a period of time. A huntable period of time. A huntable period. Like we're in and, and here's the other thing. I don't thing. like those odds. Well here's the other thing too. How many times do you see people even at that put a fruit tree on a property close to a cabin or something <clears throat> that really isn't a very huntable location? Anyhow, yep. it's like, well, I want the I want the attraction to the farm. Well, if you're going to go through all that, put it in a place where you can hunt them. Yep. Or, or at least shoot them during daylight. Like, yep. they're going to come around the cabin at night, but that's it. Yep. Ugh. And then, I mean, you look at, like, pears drop in the fall. Apples mm-hmm. can, depending mm-hmm. on the variety, drop in the fall. Cherries, like the, 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 the domesticated ones. No, that's late summer, I believe, yep. most of them. And then peaches, late summer, yep. not even during deer season. Right. Um, and then the others are native ones. So it's like, yeah, you know, if you're going to plant an apple tree, I like Arkansas black, but it does take time. It's one of those things where if it's something your family's into, do it. But if you're, like, trying to maximize your time and your return on your investment, it's Move not on. with planting fruit trees. Pick up the chainsaw, go cut some trees. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and then you got other types of trees that are, that are pretty common. You've got maples, various types of maples. You've got a couple different types of elms. You've got oh, you do have pine. I, I was gonna pine, yep. say shame on you. No, I went got all through there. that and you didn't even include <laughs> pine. Um, and then you got box elder. Um, and that's and about some of the, you know, there's, there's still, so many, there's so still many so trees. many other ones. But it's uh, just like though you you know we we talk we're saying oh there's still so many trees but. You know the amount of forbs, the amount of grasses, the amount of shrubs, like the diversity. There's, I would, I would, you know, there's probably way more forbs and grasses on the landscape than there are varieties of trees. I feel pretty dang confident in, in saying that. So, yeah, yes, there's, yes, there's a lot of trees here, but there's so many grasses and forbs that we we just had not covered, um, and that maybe only grow in specific regions. But a lot of the trees. Um, they just, you know, they have very big geographical regions. Um, so mid story kind of wanted to get to yeah. mid story. Yep. Cause I think that people often will consider the mid story as not impacting yeah. their, 
the light trans transmission into yeah. like the forest floor, like through the canopy. They think it doesn't really ever do much. I've been to so many places where it's like, you need to hammer the mid story, almost like wipe it out because you're not. It's completely shaded. You're not getting oak regen in here. Well, how many times do you see a forest that is, it's it's closed canopy or it's it's almost closed canopy and it's a mix of hardwoods, oak, and hickory. And there's only a, you know a, a low percentage, fifteen percent that's marketable timber. Mm-hmm. The rest is low quality, unhealthy trees yep. or species that we don't really aren't managing for. And then the the mid story is a lot of these soft wooded trees, and then the very understory is nothing. Yeah, and it's like you realize that if that if that if those crop trees die or are cut, you have nothing. The left. future of this is. The unhealthy trees that are already in the canopy, and these mid-story trees that aren't what you want anyway. Mm-hmm. That's that, know, that's a responsibility coming up that falls coming on up in the future. You. There's going to be we haven't even talked to the guy yet, but we know it's an important story, and it's and it's the future of the white oak market, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and how there's going to be if we don't get on it now, there's going to be major problems down the road of lack of hardwoods like white oak. Yeah, I mean, and and. We we see it because we're evaluating timber across the country all over the place. But whether whether it's lack of fire, lack of other disturbances, lack of follow up from um, timber sales or yep. or invasive species, yep. just shaded, you know, way too much shaded um, canopy. The the fact is, we're you're just not seeing oak regeneration like like you ought to in a managed system. Um, so anyhow, a lot of people either don't treat the or don't respect the mid story um and think that it's you know oh i cut the i cut the i had a timber sale they cut some saw logs that was the light that i needed no you need to go back in there and hammer the mid story that was growing underneath the canopy and now is beginning to shade and fill in and rob your sunlight but then the other thing is on the flip side i also see people trying to go in and manage timber and only cut the softwoods, only cut the mid-story yeah. and not touch the canopy because maybe the tree's too big and they're not comfortable felling it, but yeah. you can't go in and or hammer the mid-story. and all white oaks are good. Right. And, and you can't, but but you can't go in and just man, like hammer the, the mid-story and then look up and be like, eh, I'll get enough light through there. No. No. Like you, you most likely will not. You need to either do that as a follow-up practice um, after some sort of timber harvest, hopefully there's marketable logs in there to be able to remove. Yep. Like you have to be able to do something. So, some of our sunlight. mid-story. Yep. Yeah, you got it. The sunlight, name of the game. Mid-story trees that we typically see. You know, we talked about flyer and dogwood in the mm-hmm. shrub podcast, but it's mm-hmm. kind of a mid-story tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a soft mass importantly. too. Yep. So, Flowering dogwood, phenomenal. American black gum, sassafras, redbud, ironwood, musclewood, or the the hornbeams mm-hmm. um, are all pretty common. I see them all over the place. And then, of course, your mid story can be white oak, sure, red oak, sure. But so many times we just we see, see it more in these softwood type because they ha- they handle shade pretty decently. Yeah. Or, yeah. or or they grow and spread a canopy out wide like a flowering dogwood, have very broad leaves, 
capture what little sun they start, can. Start their uh, flowering process before the oaks put their leaves mm-hmm. on in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, and and have a, a the ability for them to grow and creep and find that shade, I mean, that, yeah. that sunlight. Yeah. They're not just, you know, perfectly Going vertical. Up. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, you another category is native versus non-native. Uh, we mentioned a whole bunch of native species in the last 15 minutes. Non-native ones that we see a lot of, I mean, this list is long, but tree of heaven being a pretty common one. Very prolific. Um, empress tree or princess, princess tree, people call it. Uh, oh, another mid-story tree I forgot is the American bladder pod. Yeah. That's where yep. I've found it, uh, found yep. it in the past. You saw a lot of it mm-hmm. recently in North Carolina. Um, so... Uh, non-native, other trees, non-native, oh, man, I'm trying to, trying to, I'm drawing a blank. Ginkgos. There you go. Ginkgo trees. Yep. Yep. Oh, you forgot, uh, um. Redbud? Nope, nope, nope. I was thinking that tree, tulip poplar. Did we mention tulip poplar or yellow poplar anywhere? Uh, have not yet. Yeah. There's, there's a part. That's a native one, but. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but it's not. I just thought of that. So, non-native trees another, that we another see a lot that, of that that doesn't do anything. It has a it's a it's a seed, but sweet gum. Oh, uh, sweet yeah. gum tulip poplar to me, they're just cousins. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> cousin Eddie. Oh yeah. man, can I get you anything? Uh, drink. Maybe drive you out in the middle of the <laughs> desert, leave you for dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel with sweet gums and tulip poplars. Can yeah. I get you anything? Maybe you drink a herbicide, drive you out in the middle of the desert, leave you to leave you for dead. Leave you to uh, your <laughs> thirst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so for each animal species, we're going to break down now, kind of kind of turn the corner and take these trees into how they benefit wildlife. Ooh. Start real quick with quail. Besides, acorns. besides acorns on some of the the like post oak, we didn't mention blackjack. Yeah, we didn't blackjack. Um, um, and some of the, some of the shrubs and everything like that. That's yeah. essentially going to be your your only mass produced hard mass producers um, in the tree form that would benefit quail. Really, yeah. everything else is 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 most likely a absolute negative. Yeah, and whether it's removed. a raccoon, raccoon escape from coyotes, so it gives raptor raccoons perch. or a raptor perch. At that point, there's other things that will provide the thermal cover. Uh, and um, I think if you were to ask a quail and say, "Would you rather have this tree?" So sometime in October, you get some some acorns, or would you rather not? They'd say. I'll find something else to eat. <laughs> I'll find some ragweed seed in yeah, October. Get, d- get that raccoon or that yep. that that Raptor hawk perch. perch out of here. Yep, for sure. Um, so very little benefit for quail. Turkeys, obviously, they need them to roost in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but really, almost any tree will do. Um, yep. They'll Power they'll find those. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yep. And then uh, we didn't mention cottonwood trees either. No, we didn't. Um, but other other. Big big benefit is hard mast. Yeah, and and um some some thermal regulation too in the summer. Yep, they will go into big river bottoms, creek bottoms, um all across the country during those time frames, and honestly spend a bunch of time in the shade, in the cool, loafing, foraging, but mass production wise, yeah, that's a humongous food source for for turkeys. But yep. once again. 
they don't need a closed canopy environment to have mass production. No, that's such a such a honestly. If you take one thing away from the podcast, and and um, it, I hope that it is closed canopy forest doesn't mean good acre production, and you don't need a ton of trees to have still ample acorn hard mass production on on a property on a landscape um so essentially beyond beyond that beyond roosting and beyond um a food supply from october through you know february march time frame that's that's really it there there's not a, a lot of other benefits that they have those are great those are super important those are necessary um but that's not all trees that's yep. that's hard mass produ- producers, and they will eat soft mass too. They'll yep. eat cherry. They'll eat hackberry. They'll eat dogwoods. Um, the dogwood berries. They'll eat sassafras. Like they'll eat a bunch of things. But ev- a lot of other species too are foraging on those as well. Yep. So it, there's a huge mix there. But um, there's a lot of trees that don't justify being present on a property, even for a turkey. Yeah. Yep. Deer. Really? Oh. I mean, you take away you take away the roost side of things for turkeys, you pretty much have a, a, a similar requirement, but it's less on the soft mass, more on the hard mass. Yeah. Yeah. And the other aspect that we haven't talked about is necessarily the management of trees. The biggest benefit that I look at and see if it doesn't produce, if it's not a healthy tree, probably needs to go. If it's not a mass producing tree, how can I change its form Yeah. to make it beneficial for nesting cover, to make it beneficial for bedding cover, or maybe I can turn and lower its form, recut it, and it'll re-sprout, and then it'll have tons of brows, woody yeah. brows. That's that's what I'm looking for from from a deer standpoint. If it's not a good quality mass producer, yeah, that they're going to forge if, on, and, and 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 even if it's a mass producing tree species, if Correct. it doesn't produce it or it's unhealthy, we can change it up. Or and if make I it. have oh, hundreds and hundreds of them, yeah, I'll cut I'll cut some. Mm-hmm. I, I won't care. And honestly, some a lot of the the younger oak saplings will hold their leaves like a beech tree throughout the fall and winter and that's a that's great cover when yeah. it re-sprouts fantastic yeah so there's a lot of value there for for deer but okay. the the i think i go back to the definition there and i say and i see excuse me single stem trunk growing at considerable height bearing lateral branches yeah i like the tree but I want to use it in a different way in, in a lot of situations yeah. that will benefit. Because, like, again, you think about, let's just go with, um, I'm trying to think of a species. Let, let's just go with a, a box elder, right? Yeah. If it grows up and is 30 foot tall, is it doing it's anything not, for, no, any, for no, any of the species no. that we talk about? No. Not much. But if I cut it, the canopy will be on the ground. Maybe I'll have... And that, and that, where it should be growing, like crazy. It'll stump sprout like crazy. I got food, and then I've got some some vertical structure. But then I've also got some more light on the ground. Maybe I'll have um, great cover. Yeah, 
yeah. wild rye grow in there, and a turkey's yeah. going to lay its nest right there in the canopy, yeah. and in the wild rye, boom, done. Yeah. Box elders are made to be cut. Uh, soft wood. Yeah. They fell easy. I love can, cutting them. Can beautiful wood, too, sometimes. Yeah. That red heart yeah. in there. It's, it's so beautiful. here's one for you. If you could only pick one, mm-hmm. let's just take trees in general and say, these trees are only going to produce hard mass, soft mass. And they have to grow in the form to do that. So Grow in the form of a tree to do of that. The tree. Think, so yeah. they're either going to produce hard mass, soft mass, or those trees are going to produce nothing but woody brows. Can't have it both ways. What would you rather your trees do? Provide woody brows and only woody brows? Or would you rather them produce hard, hard or soft mass? Well, that's easy. I'd rather have them woody brows. Because <laughs> I think you could produce way more forage. I, th- I think of... Consistently. Consistently as forage. As well as cover. Absolutely. You, you kill two birds with one stone. No. Um, so I, I'm I'm way more for managing as a as a shrub. Um, and that's the, that is the value of taking a root system that has established and grown a single stem tree to to the heights of maybe 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 foot tall, I'm not starting back over. Yeah. If I cut that, I have an existing root system that has, let's say, a, a lion's share of space, nutrients, energy there that will send out what I want in the form. So I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I love planting trees. I love doing this and that. I love cutting them because it's almost like I'm I'm also increasing the daylight, you know, back on the ground, but I'm but I'm also allowing that stump to re-sprout and provide the brows in a very, let's say, high energy packed manner. Like there's a lot that's gonna be feeding those that those sprouts. If it grew that tree over time, what can it do for sprouts? Yeah. And it's gonna keep it's like a, it's just a factor. It's like a diesel engine. You know what I mean? Yep. It's just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And that's what I love about the fact that you can utilize a tree if you identify its species, hard mass, soft mass producer, or it's just, it is just good when it's cut. I'm going to cut it and I'm gonna, I can change its form and shape and provide something else to the wildlife. And, and honestly, you know, shrubs and forbs, they don't really have that capability. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it is what it is, and they're great at the role, but a tree does have a little bit of flexibility. And say, so you could, you're either hard mass producer, or I'm just going to, I'm yeah. going to give you a different job by cutting I you. think that, that shrubs, so many of the shrubs are, it's like they, they have the density and the strength of a, of a tree smashed down in the, into the height of a shrub. Yeah. yeah. Where like an American plum, it's not necessarily browsed on great. Um, some of the some of the shrubs are browsed a lot better, like American mm-hmm. Beautyberry. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the dogwoods yep. are 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 grazed are browsed on very heavily. a decent amount. I think red oaks. But it's like when you get into trees and you bring them down into woody browse structure or into into the height where they can be browsed on, they're way more selective than shrubs. I think that's a li- you know there's two things going on there. I think that a lot of times when you do cut them. You see that, you see the return, and you see deer coming back to them, pounding them. Because if you have a forest and you don't have a lot of shrubs, 
Yeah. Then when you you create an unlimited resource there, so it's like there's not a lot of this. I need to pound it. I need to eat it. Yeah. And so it's like a it's more concentrated forage. Yeah. Um, but without a doubt, it's going to send off more tender ends. Yeah. As a as if you're if you're taking a big root system rather than that shrub's root system, and it, and basically changing its form. Yeah. Here's a question for you. If you were to have a preference on for wildlife, would you rather favor white oaks or red oaks on a property when when cutting, managing the timber? Oh man. Oh uh, well, it'd have to be depend on the site, I think. Like north slope, east slope, west let's slope. Say, let's just south say you slope. had both. Uh, but just 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 from the wildlife side of things. From the wildlife side of things, I would probably say I'd favor more red oaks just because I have a better chance of every year producing acorns. Absolutely. I and, think and, I think and, of the flowering and, and I, production. And I, and I think of just overall, I think that they probably – now, that that's a little bit more difficult because they're not going to be as fi- fire tolerant as mm-hmm. my, my ground would be. Mm-hmm. So probably white oaks would, would fit in better. Yep. So I would pro I, I I might have to retract and crawdad on you here and say, you know, if it's in an ideal world where I am doing prescribed fire and I am managing for woodland, then I'm going to go with the white oaks because I can go more savanna setting. They can handle fire while uh, the red oaks don't tend to be a savanna type setting. So there you go. You got crawdaded on you. You, you went, went a little white. more complicated. I'm just thinking just from the mass producing side of things, not let's say mm. whole land management. That I'm going red oaks. Yes. Yeah. If I'm just focused on mass producing, I'm going red oaks. Favoring, you want both. Again, this is a puzzle, yeah. but but again, we talked about the way they flower, the way that they produce in the two-year cycle. In addition to, they're going to lay on the ground, be viable for much longer. Yeah. Into the winter. Yep. I, I think that their time span has way more prevalence um, and benefit to fat reserves, um, turkey populations. That that amount of food that they're producing than white oaks do. We forgot to mention sawtooth oaks. There's a reason for that, people. <laughs> yeah. They're non-native. Yeah. Stop it. So I, I I think that probably made people think a little bit about the the favoring the red versus the white. Yeah. White gets so much love, articles, blogs, blah blah blah. But truthfully, when you look at it, it's necessary to have a, a, a I think a, a favoring of red oaks on the property yeah yeah if it if it fits I'll say this too as a caveat if it fits into your management regime and the property the location and the way it sets up that might not be the case for a property in North Dakota <laughs> yeah it may not be a, the case for a property in in um, Oklahoma but if the shoe fits, yeah, I'm gonna favor red oak. Oh, not every tree is positive. Well, I think we kind of been covering that okay. through the whole throughout the whole thing. F- yeah, we're skipping around here, and I'm trying to make uh, sure we go know, through our notes. But uh, uh, sim- I, I added that in there to simply say, just because it's a tree, Doesn't and it's mean growing, you can't cut it. <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, again, we talked about the root sprouts, the stump sprouts, this and that. But think about the open space that you have now for other species like grasses that we covered, like forbs, like brambles, to come in and grow in the place of where that 
tree used to stand. Yeah. Again, we don't have to manage just a closed canopy forest or just a old field or just a um, you know grass pasture. Let's mix it all together so we have plant communities, but cut some trees. Yeah, management of timber. That's the big thing that happens uh, or lack thereof management of timber. So many times timber is just like always just like even if your goal is just to man just to grow trees to make an income, you should still manage. It's not you still like have to cut them. It's not just like let it cook, let it stew, no. just let it boil. We'll no. get to it one day. No, you got to cut out the junk. You got to mm-hmm. cut the trees that are low value yep. that are competing. You got to thin the timber, and by doing that, you're going to improve the amount of habitat, food, and cover, uh, and make your trees that you're trying to promote healthier and have more nutrients. So, if you're not actively managing your timber areas. You're paying taxes and not getting the reward for it. And, and you're you're slowing up your interval between cuts. Yeah. Your growth rates are decreased or, yep. or stifled. If your goal is to, to get two timber harvests in your lifetime or three, you need to be actively managing in between those. Totally. So Totally do. Yeah. Um, so timber harvesting, that's one way. Felling, herbicide treatment, hack and squirt. Uh, cut yeah, stump treatments. Cut stump. Just just thinning the timber. Prescribed fire. Yep. And then you got forest stand improvement, timber stand improvement, and then you're doing all this to hopefully not only put habitat on the ground for a multiple for a for multiple species, but you're also putting money in your pocket eventually at the same time. With the timber harvest. That's it, why. Yep. I, I don't like the when people tell me, well, I'm only managing for for wildlife so i don't really care about timber harvest well i don't really i mean okay i don't like so what i don't so like what, money what what do you right. mean by that like that just blows my mind it's like yeah. if you have the possibility to make money why wouldn't you well, yeah i mean it's not like the the feasible recommendation would be like oh okay so tomorrow i'm going to recommend to you to go around and let's just cut every single tree and then treat the stump we're not going to do that even with that statement. Like that to- doesn't make sense. I totally believe you can have you can have your cake and eat it too. Now, yeah, it won't be as thick if you're managing for timber and by thick I mean you won't have that thick, dense cover for wildlife. Yep. But you won't at have the, the same time the stocking you'll still rate have, will be different. You'll still have good habitat as well as timber harvest. Like yep, stand stand density will vary between the two to have your cake and eat it too. But you can still make money on a wreck property with managed timber and and not decrease or not not sacrifice quality habitat. You know, when you look at some of the recommendations that we'll commonly do, whether it's light, medium, heavy, super heavy TSI, it's like there's a lot of times where it's just a medium TSI and over time, guess what? Trees grow. So like you've created this this by by reducing the canopy You've added light, you've got forbs and grasses and all the, the understory, whatever. But over time, those trees are going to continue to grow and yeah. fill that, that light situation back in. Go back in there and do it again. Yeah. Or or maybe have a harvest and then you follow up the harvest with more FSI or TSI, yeah. whatever. It's an ongoing process. Let's talk about trees and their, and their 12-month calendar benefit. So, like, how yeah. are trees benefiting wildlife? In January, red oaks. Hopefully, if, there's if some there's left still over. Still acorns on the ground. Yep. 
Yep. That's and, how and, they do and it. there are some trees like down south swamp and stuff like that. They don't they drop late. Yeah. I think a nut alls nut alls I think drop super late in like December, January time frame. Um so January basically the benefit they're providing could be could be uh nut producing, so yep. hard mass. Um soft well, mass is pretty much over. If uh, they if they're cut, if they've been cut, then they have ample woody brows. Yep. But they have Most to they people, have to be cut though. They have to be cut. If they, if you're not if you have not cut your timber, you're sitting here hoping that in January an there's ice storm. enough an ice yeah. storm comes and knocks the trees yeah, out or a windstorm <laughs> or the fact that there's plenty of acorns still on the ground. February, same story as January. Unless you're cutting yep. the trees, yep. you're just hoping that there's acorns left over. March, same story. You're just hoping there's plenty of acorns left over or you have have trees that are on the ground providing woody browse. March, some of these trees start putting off leaves, but if you have closed canopy mature timber, it's out of reach. And by this time, the acorns are gone. Gone to so nothing. Uh, uh, yeah. Same story gone. for April. Yep. Same story for May. Same story for June. Same story for July. There's some shade component when we start getting into July and, and August. But yep. no food value. No food value. Unless it has it's been it. cut. Unless it's within reach. Yes. Yes. Yep. And then same story for August. Yep. Um, you know, There's you, some down south you're really trying to get. Yeah. Now we start getting, I guess I should go back to July and say there's some soft mass trees like, like peaches and, mm-hmm. and, um, mm, trying to think of some native ones that would be, uh, we forgot another one too, that's going to hit in late summer, early fall, pawpaws. Yeah. Pawpaws for sure. But yep. Yeah. Who's managing for pawpaws for deer? Let's be honest. There's, there's a heck of a closed canopy system there. They're they're a, a great mid story, or or or, or uh, yeah. I said I should say great mid story, but they're mid soil. Yep. Hope shaded. that the raccoons don't get to them first. Yep. Um. So yeah, there's just not a lot of benefit. Now you go into August, and we're looking at thermal regulation on east and north facing slopes for cover, but no food value unless you've done some cutting. September, and, and you can get other... into some hard mass producing, mm-hmm. uh, like chinkapins are dropping September, white oaks drop September. Um, so you start getting into hard mass production. I will say back to that thermal cover real quick. That They don't have to use that. Usually usually yeah. there's a lot of other sites too that have shade, but yeah. that is one benefit, a fractional benefit, let's say. Yeah. Um, so then there's, we're back into September, October. Yeah, hard mass. mass. Producing. Yeah, hard mass soft mass apple trees mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. september october november december yep basically it's september october november those are your big months and depending on the species depending on location depending on the the mass the so the, the crop three months three out of the 12 months for if and and i'm gonna say this 95 percent of the people that's all you're getting from your timber yeah, there's a because because there's probably five percent of people and who have adequate trees that have been cut and are or have the woody brows component yeah. that we talked about. And we, then even then, if they haven't cut it at all, they're not getting maximum production out of their mass anyway. No, no. And so, comparatively speaking, let's just go through the months just real quick about if you have cut the timber, if you have a managed timber, oh, where man. the benefits lay. January, woody brows cover. February, phenomenal. same thing. Same thing. March, March, same thing. 
April, April same, same thing. thing. <laughs> like, May, June, phenomenal, July, phenomenal, same thing. Phenomenal, shade, phenomenal, shade, phenomenal, food, phenomenal. Every time. And then that's why we have to have a balance, though, when we get and back into you late hit, summer. And then you hit September, October, September, or September, October, November, and they're producing more hard mass because they have more nutrients and they have more sunlight. So they're producing those big trees that you released are producing way more in amidst Yep, all those others that you cut down that have been pro- providing woody brows throughout the rest of the year and cover throughout That's the rest. That's why you have to have both. Yeah, at a right balance that makes sense for the property that hunts the property well, and so cut the trees. Don't be scared. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the vegetation management series um, covering all things from top to bottom, grasses to trees. We'll do more series. We'll, 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 and if you guys have ideas, reach out to us on social media about maybe something that you guys would yeah. like to series that, that you like to hear about. Um, but yeah, that was that was fun. I think it was good. I think we got a lot of feedback on it. Yeah. Um, Next week is pol- we're stepping in the political series. <laughs> the heck with that. <laughs> no. All way. right, guys. Appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. See you.